Welcome to another Smart Driving Cars podcast. We are happy you are here. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 corporation. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred, on a rainy April morning, but um, anyway. April showers, right? April <laughs> showers brings and, May flowers. <laughs> and with us, we are very happy to welcome Henry Posner III, Princeton Class of 77, Chairman of the Railroad Development Corporation and Adjunct Faculty Member at Carnegie Mellon University, and much more. Thank you for taking the time, Henry. Great to be here. Well, we have spent years talking about mobility and its importance. You've stepped into a place where the need has been desperate, helping to provide transportation to Ukrainian refugees. Tell us about the work you and your company have been doing. Well, uh, to be clear, uh, what we're doing is we are acting in a contractor role for the German government in moving Ukrainian refugees throughout Germany to make sure that they wind up someplace where it works for them. And also they're provided with the optimum support because integrating lots of people, uh, even in a place like Germany is tough. Fortunately, Germany learned a lot of lessons from Syria and has been, I think, extraordinarily well organized in dealing with uh, this uh, crisis, which came out of nowhere. I mean. Nobody thought World War III uh, would, would come out of nowhere, so, but, but, but here we are. Uh, the, the idea here is to concentrate flows of refugees to a central point where they can be met, accommodated, supported, and redirected in Germany and beyond. And so there has been a very organized effort to set up a corridor from the Polish border to Hanover. And in Hanover, there is a reception center where people are matched up with transportation and logistics to either go where they know they wanna go, which in some cases are with friends and family in cities around Germany, or if they haven't got any place to go, uh, they, they will come up with some solutions. Why Hanover? It's, it's the biggest conference center in Germany and perhaps Europe. And because it's Germany, it's of course got its own rail station and easy access off the national network. So the idea here is to run trains from the Polish border right to the Hanover conference center. And from there, people can get uh, regular trains uh, elsewhere around Germany. So our part was to provide this service under contract to the German government. And this is still ongoing, right? This is, this is still ongoing. I can tell you that the, the, the demand has diminished after the initial rush. Uh, the, the flow of refugees is less than it was temporarily. But the most important thing is that the links and the systems are in place and it's, from, from what I've heard, it seems to be going very well. 
my view of it is, you know, standing on the railway platform and watching people go into the conference center. But for everything I've read, it's, 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 it's working quite well. Well, I understand with, with all of the confusion and these people's, people whose lives have been shredded, for want of a better word, and there's so much confusion in a situation like this, there's the language barrier to deal with. And I understand you were able to, to make a difference there in, in some respects. Tell me about it. Well, right. So everything's organized. You got the trains organized and, you know, things are running like clockwork, except that there are not a lot of Russian speakers in the railway world in, in, in Germany. Fortunately, among our team, uh, we have two people who are uh, Russian speech speakers, uh, Martin Pavlik and uh, Ed Schofield. So what we tried to do is have them, one of them in charge of every train so that we have at least one Russian speaker on the train. That was uh, right from the beginning. Uh, Martin Pavlik, by the way, also speaks Ukrainian and seven other languages. So we've got this really uh, dedicated, multicultural, self-selecting bunch of people who have spent their careers in the night train world and were there along with the night train equipment that we had accumulated as the state railways downsized, the trains, people, et cetera. So at any rate, on the third day of operation, so we started on March 10th, third day of operation, March 12th, I just happened to be in Germany. I said, I am not going to go home without riding a refugee train because, you know, we're, we're, we're part of history. And then it occurred to me to mention I, I'm a halfway Russian speaker. Fine. So I became the number two Russian speaker on the train. So 480 people on the train. Our conductor was speaking Russian and Ukrainian. So I was basically his backup. But the most important thing was that this, for, for refugees, this is their first welcome to Germany. So you're on the station platform at Frankfurt Oder, the train comes in from Warsaw. And it's the, the, the Warsaw to Berlin train. And so the question is, do you get off the train or do you continue under Berlin because Berlin is the only city that you're familiar with? And so Martin would get on the PA system and speak in Ukrainian. And, and basically it was, uh, I'm Martin Pavlik, I'm, I'm the uh, train chief for the train to Hanover. Uh, please consider getting off the train and walking across the platform and getting on this train, which will take you to the, uh, to the uh, center in Hanover where your needs will be met. And so it really is all about language and culture to have been able to do that. And so he played an extremely important role because he was not only a Russian speaker, but a Ukrainian speaker. So imagine what people are going through. They might be traveling for three to five days just to be on that train. Their first thing in Germany is they arrive by train or bus from Poland, and all of a sudden they're being welcomed onto the train in their own language. And the boarding process is uh, orderly because people trickle in, they, they don't come wave because the, the police would check them as they were stepping off the train from Warsaw. So a, a trickle of people across the platform. 
it was very well organized, uh, very uh, respectful, and very well done. So my job was basically to uh, walk around and just see if there were any micro problems that could be solved by somebody with a 50% working knowledge of the Russian language. And so I was able to help uh, in at most half a dozen situations. But usually when I go on these trips, you know, it's, it, it's uh, I'm just along for the ride. But in this case, I was actually able to uh, do some actual work for which I am very proud. You wrote in your company's newsletter, history comes at you on short notice. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, no, nobody predicted uh, that there would be uh, war with Russia uh, in this century. And yet uh, the, 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 tra the train was organized on four days notice, which would be certainly impossible in the USA. And uh, it has worked uh, quite well. I mean, Henry, I think, you know, so proud of you because, you know, it's uh, the little things are, are so important. And, and, you know, we all sometimes think that we're going to all do the, all these great things as we're pontificating from our whatevers and our lecterns and so on and so forth. But uh, in the end, it's the little things that actually make make enormous difference in people's lives that are you know really you know up against it and uh, and just uh, just a little bit of help a little bit of order a little bit of care a little bit of stepping up when you have the opportunity to step up i mean i you know i i couldn't be more proud of you and well, you know it's just it's it's you know when you get the opportunity take it you know take advantage step up and pitch in and help out i mean well i learned that from you alan <laughs> yeah well i guess yeah no I've, I've tried i mean i i think i've tried i think you know that that's that's basically the you know the thank you for saying that but you know it's well you know yeah so, so so i'm in germany and i had been scheduled to be there for you know, months in advance and middle of the week the word comes down we're trying this refugee train so do i go home as scheduled or do I pay a change fee and worry about not getting a seat on a flight going home in order to do this? So, you know, I, I rolled the dice and it, and it paid off. So, well, okay. you know, in, you know, it would have paid off anyway. I mean, they, you, those are the kinds of things you have to do. Yeah. So, you so, have so, to do. Yeah. I mean, so, so, yeah. so just an example, some of the little things you, you made the point about it's the little things. So little things can spiral out of control very, very quickly. And so, one of the scenes on the platform at Frankfurt Oder was people are boarding and you got the Red Cross people and the police and, and, and our people guiding people hopping on the train. And all of a sudden, a uh, young woman vomits on the station platform. So that there are three Red Cross people standing there and none of them are Russian speakers that so they, oh, so is what is what, what's going on here is, is some plague or some disease that's, that's going to be running through the train and all that. So I asked uh, the woman's mother, she says, well, motion sickness. They, they, they got there by bus. So a, a small situation yeah. that, that could have easily spun out of control, uh, defused by a simple exchange of facts. So needless to say, had something like that happened 
uh, at a U.S. airport. You, know, you can imagine uh, the the, uh, the the yellow tape. They they shut the airport down. Uh, massive chaos because nobody is willing to take the chance that they might be held responsible for taking action. And so what happened there was our job is to move the people. And if we could move them in a respectful and uh, humane way, we were going to do it. So, so here's the best part, which is the equipment that we had uh, accumulated after the state railways dumped the night trains. It was actually quite ideal for this because it's compartment cars. So people show up with uh, two big bags and there's plenty of space in these compartments and more to the point, there's privacy and charging points for their phones and stuff like that. And so what they really wanted to do, I think, was just have three hours where they could just do nothing but recharge their phones, sleep or whatever for the next step in their journey. So I'm guessing that we provided them with the most tranquil part of their uh, passage, which did not end when they stepped off the train in Hanover. It was the beginning of their next phases. And I, I think mean, one yes. of the interesting things is, is so are, are, are they gonna go back to Ukraine? Are they gonna stay in Western Europe? Uh, lots and lots of big, big questions. Well, you know, it's a, a, of course they're refugees. And refugees is a, been around forever and ever and ever and ever. And I can, you know, just imagine, you know, my heritage and refugeeing through Europe. I mean, you know, damn it, it's it's. Oh, can you imagine being there? I mean, hey, you know, not knowing where in the hell you're going what your future is, well, having they, to get the, you know, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, and it happens, it happens over and over and over and over and over. And I, you know, it's just, it's just so good of you, Henry, to, you know, do whatever happened to be there, whatever resources you have, do it, you know, it's just, and not worrying about covering your butt or, you know, what the hell, or, you know, all that crap that goes on so often in these things. Yeah, well, one of the interesting things is the number of people who had specific destinations in mind. Uh, destinations that I heard were uh, places like uh, Osnabrück. That's not a German city that you normally hear spoken. Most Americans could not find that on the map. But these people had a very specific destination in mind, but we're going to Osnabrück. How do we get there? To me suggested they either had friends or family. So one of the things about this flow of people is that, that there are uh, lots of Ukrainians in Western Europe and many of them will wind up uh, being uh, with family or whatever. That being said, uh, I was speaking with uh, one of the railway people from Poland and not many, most of the employees of this particular company, uh, Genesee, Wyoming, Freightliner, Poland, were accommodating Ukrainians in their homes. So uh, 
Poland is taking the brunt of dealing with this and what's going on elsewhere around Germany, around Europe, even Germany, you know, helping Poland deal with the flow. Because if, if your intent is to go back to Ukraine, then you probably want to stay in Poland if you can. And again, the real question is, are people going to go back or is this going to be a permanent uh, population loss? And uh, I think the honest answer is nobody knows. From what we see on the news, the destruction there, it's going to take a long time for many people to have some place to, to go back to. Your thoughts, Henry, on the, on the on, if you want to share them, on, on the global response. You mentioned yeah, what right. Poland is doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the global response has been uh, very impressive. I, I think it's been, uh, you know, country by country. Uh, so, some countries have had a lot of experience in dealing with refugees, like Germany with Syria. Uh, Poland has just done it because they're they're Poland. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> They've uh, done it before. They'll do it. They, you know, yeah, it's, it's, Poland, it's Hungary too, I would imagine. Also, yeah, I mean, and, and, and Moldova. Yeah. Uh, Moldova has popped up as one of the uh, places because <clears throat> there you've got uh, a lot of Russian speakers. There are a lot of uh, cultural links. My, 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 my Russian teacher of blessed memory was Moldovan. So a lot of uh, interesting uh, flows of where people go. But I think the more interesting question is what's going to happen? How's Ukraine going to get rebuilt? Yeah. And the railway is central to that. And if you look at uh, what the Ukraine railway is in terms of size, you know, it's bigger than any of the U.S. class ones, 200,000 plus people. You've seen some of the videos of the, the heroic way in which it has continued to operate as the lifeline of the nation, uh, more or less nonstop. It, it is a pointless exercise to talk about um, why any of this would be impossible in the USA in terms of mounting a relief effort, et cetera. But I think the next big question is rebuilding Ukraine. What happens when there is unlimited money flowing to Ukraine to rebuild the railways? Are the institutions there capable of digesting it? Or is it going to be a free for all, for example, for the aid industry? So I think the next challenge will be looking at uh, how the governance might work in, in terms of how uh, aid flows and making sure that the money is spent usefully and uh, without motivating things like uh, corruption. Uh, I think those will be the major themes in the months ahead. Well, and, and, you know, a couple of points on that, I guess, you know, you and I, we watched, uh, we sort of watched the wall go down and then, even thought about some aspirations with respect to the old Soviet National Railway and things being able to do things in Russia with respect to, to that whole thing. And I know, I know back in the day we we talked about that. And and then for me, this is this is like uh, all personal because um I can think of my father and who knows what 19, I don't know. 15 he was born in 02 probably took a train from uh Yablonka Vizna to Budapest you know 
probably because of the whatever Russian incursion or whatever was happening then, you know. Yeah, well, and, and, you and know, whatever. That, that town might have been one of those towns where that's close enough to the border where it might have been Poland or Ukraine, yeah, it, or depending on what war was going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, who knows Who knows whether that was Poland at that time or whether it was Ukraine or whatever. It's somewhere near Lvov, uh, you know, but, but the whole business. So, I mean, you know, Henry, you know, for me. Yeah, so, so, so one interesting thing uh, that, that uh, we had in our past is we were shareholders in the only former Soviet railway to be privatized, Estonian Railways, right. which is one of the reasons that I learned the Russian language. So we were there for five and a half years. And Estonia actually became more corrupt when it joined the EU because you had all this Russian <laughs> oil traffic moving across our railway and our Russian customers found it easier to bribe the government under the guise of, uh, oh, we've got to do this now that we're part of the EU. <laughs> and, and that whole story is a very interesting story, but I think it's relevant because you know, we, we have done business in uh, the uh, former Soviet railway network. I mean, who knows uh, the next curveball that's coming uh, about that one, but hold the thought that for rebuilding Ukraine, the railway will be central to that. And so the question is the tension between the aid industry want to go in and throw around billions of dollars and the natural tendency to uh, see corruption evolve because it's always been there. Uh, right now, you got the good guys and the bad guys. But when the smoke clears, then that'll be the real tests of character of everybody. That'll be a test of character of Ukraine. That'll be a test of character of the USA and how our aid industry functions in that environment. So it's all that's going to be a bit more about governance than you know what type of locomotives do they need and, and things like that. Interesting insights, Henry. We know you have to run, but uh, we want to thank you again for taking the time with us. And we know this isn't uh, a one-off thing when it comes to your uh, personal philanthropic efforts, even though you were under contract for this. We, we know many things that you've been involved in. And, and thank you once again for well, being with us. Thank and, you. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be some more stories to be told in the month ahead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and let's let's hope. Uh, well, yeah, let's hope we're around to tell them because I mean, this is this is so crazy. But we won't, you know, talk about the craziness. I mean, who who would have thought in in 2022 that you know we're out there doing this kind of saber rattling? I mean, this is like ludicrous. And and of course, I've written out there. I you know I'm I've started eating eating uh, McDonald's hamburgers because I was you know just so proud that the fact you know they they were one of the first ones to pull out said get out and then you look at some of these companies that are still in there it's, i mean you say what i mean cut it out okay you know please you know. well that that'd be a good follow-on discussion uh for in this forum a couple months down the pike you know let's see what happens yeah let's see what ha well again let's hope we get to a few i mean you know the problem is that you mess around with this one. This is this is this is like crazy stuff. This is just crazy, and we won't we don't need to talk about it. But anyway, it's it's nice that you know whenever any of us can do something, 
something that's easy for us, we stand up and do something that's easy for us rather than sit there and, whoa, oh my goodness, I got to protect myself. And, oh my goodness, what's the the crap that goes on? Okay. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Henry. Thank you. We'll be back, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, we should point out it's a good idea to read the white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. And you may already know ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with your investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The website again is MOTOETF.com. We are back with more of Smart Driving Cars. Alan, it was really great having Henry Posner on to, to fill us in on the work he and his Railroad Development Corporation have been doing. Yep. And yeah, really great. I mean, again, um, uh, you know, just because it, it was easy for him, one, and two, that he was just willing to do it. And, and it's, it's, you know, I am one of the, my sort of, you know, rules of thumb or things that I, I sort of tell people, you prepare yourself to take advantage of opportunities as they are, they're presented to you. And, he, you know, here he is, he has, you know, has that all of a sudden, this is, you know, some real need and, uh, you know, he's he's doing what he can. He's not out there, you know, overselling that he's doing more or whatever and saving the whole world, but uh, really doing the little things. And, and, and you know, uh, I guess it's nice when, when, when we, when he can accomplish some of those and it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's nice, nice to, to think about. And, and as I said, my, you know, for me, it's, you know, you know, the simple things again I, you know i think of, try to think of my father as the you know in 1916 or whatever with whatever the hell was going on there in that part of the world trying to whatever um escape it and so on get out of it i mean you know and that wasn't I, the last I can time imagine to, there was a it wasn't Henry, the last time he had to do something like that yeah either, was it? right and i i can imagine and my mother too that there were you know, Henry Posner's around that, that did just little things that allowed him to, you know, for me to be here. So, you know, for me, it's, it's a big thing. Absolutely. A few stories to get to this week. Yep. Uh, GM's uh, CEO, Mary Barra, in an Axios interview this week said the cruise origin being built as robo taxis will be put on the street in January of next year. Maybe that's going to be CES. I don't know. She also said the company will have personal autonomous vehicles by the middle of this decade. So much for that. And she adds they will be expensive. Well, um, you know, she's she's very capable person leading a big company. And of course, I think I think, uh, you know, GM should be in all those markets, Um, um, whether or not you and I she or anybody really needs to have a personal autonomous vehicle. You know, I, I roll my eyes. I, I, I just don't know. Do I need a vehicle that I can then just send, you know, down to 
down to where you live that you can use and then, you know, ride around it and then send it back to me and I own it. I mean, it, it just, <laughs> to me, it's, it, it, it just doesn't sit well. It, it, it you know, but I the, guess I, the, maybe, maybe I'm an old term, guy. The cruise origin is something that we're really looking forward to. What, what, whereas the cruise origin, a, a vehicle that is because, because if, if I'm not, we, we all want mobility. And, and the reason, the reason we buy these things is because, is because we are capable of operating them and when we use them to get the value of the mobility, we don't end up charging ourselves for their cost of our time. We, we, we contribute that. And so therefore, you know, the, 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 the very first sentence of my, anybody's lecture on transportation is, is the value of, of mobility, the value of transportation is, place, is improvement of place time utility. Is is it is that you know wherever you are personally at a at a place uh, you want to go someplace else? Why? Because you think you yourself you're you're you think it, you're you're going to improve your quality of life. You're going to be a happier camper. That's why you go. You know, I guess I'm here in my office today because I thought that I would be a happier camper here than working at home. Okay, or going sitting on your lap, or going to Hawaii on vacation, or going to Mars, or you know any of the other things. You know, some of them, you know, for me to do it would be enormously expensive. Okay, so you know the improvement of 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 of, of place time utility. You know that's what that's the good that I get out of it. It's going to cost me something. I mean, if transportation doesn't cost anything, then, you know, it's kind of nice. We, you know, it's only that, but, you know, some of the places I don't go because it just costs too much. Don't go to Mars because it costs too much. I mean, talk about infinity, right? Can't, can't even do it. Okay. And, and so, so the cost, the cost of doing it is really in there. The, the beauty of a personal automobile is somehow, you know, they've set up, However, we pay for that, that the perception of the cost, you know, every time I, you know, come here today, I walked, okay, I have the opportunity to walk and take my car, okay, but, you know, it's, it's because the cost of the transportation, when even when you throw it on there and, and, and look at the cost of the transportation, um, um, you know, doesn't dilute that, that utility improvement so much that you don't want to do it. Okay, and so that's the beauty of that. Um, if I then have to pay even a, a lot to not drive when I can drive, and it really does, you know, goes from A to B without it. Um, you know, am I, I don't know. I don't think. I don't think there's a market there. I, I'm not going to pay that. I don't think. I don't think. And a lot of people. I don't think any. I, I don't think. Any, you know, some small percentage of, of the folks that, that currently drive would say, "Hey, I'm going to pay for that." 
Now, if you allow me to take my hands off the wheel sometime with, with super cruise or take my feet off the pedal or, you know, set the darn thing at a, at, at a speed so that I don't have to worry about being pulled over by the cops. And it just does that for me and improves the comfort and convenience of me having it. You know, absolutely. I buy that. I, I did. I mean, as soon as it was available on Mercedes, I was the first one down and down at the dealer saying, I got to I got to have it. OK, and so a lot of people do it and we and we've gotten to that point and they've done a great job with super crews and so on. Uh, and, you know, they can, off, of course, make it make it maybe even better, but to make it so that I don't need to drive any time. I don't need to think it needs to go uh, uh, going that far, going the extra 10%, 3%, whatever it is, those are the most expensive 10 and 3% that, 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 that need to be on this technology. I don't think I'm, I don't think there's anybody who wants to pay for it. And the other thing that really gets it is if she, if she does that for, for, for Cadillac and the thing's driving itself, then she's the one that's responsible if anything goes bad. I'm not driving. It's not my fault. Must be a product, something that must be product liability. Then she's got to make sure that she puts in all these vehicles enough of the enough of the sensors to be able to say, oh my goodness, you know, you hit me, Fred. It's your problem. And she, she has to then, you know, she's probably gonna have to take care of me and then try to claw it back from you. But she can't just say it can't be the, the, the automotive industry as it is now that says, hey, you know, this is yours. The fine print says even if you turn this thing on, at least up to this point, Mercedes, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, you know, may have moved beyond that. It says, you know, it's my responsibility if anything goes bad. First thing, I've got to carry insurance. And then maybe, you know, my insurance kind of, you know, says, hey, I'll take care of you. And if it was your fault, it goes claws it back from you. But all of a sudden, if she's going to put a product on the market in the middle of this, you know, middle of the century, right? This well, decade, middle yeah, of this decade, yeah. right? Decade, that's not just, century. That's, that's just a few years away. Yes. That's a, just a, it's a, I don't think she can do it in the middle of the century. Not, you know, the so-called level four with a large operational design domain. Level five is just like goofy. She, she won't be able to do that, you know, for another ever, maybe. Okay. So that's the one end of the spectrum. Having the vehicle out there that, that they've worked so hard that it looks like NHTSA is finally saying it's okay that's out there. That, that really can drive itself safely from origin to destination the whole way without an attendant, without anybody in it. Therefore, it doesn't need a steering wheel, doesn't need brake pedals, doesn't need all that stuff. That can provide mobility as again, people as you know, I say like an elevator, you know, I show up, door opens, I get in. You show up, you get in with me. Nobody else shows up, closes. We're all both going up. We both go up. Door opens for me, I get out, closes. Opens for you, you get out. We forget about it. That's mobility horizontally with the vehicle uh, that uh, for crews. Now, 
that, we want her and we want Cruz to come to Trenton and do it at Trenton. We have we open arms, welcome Mac, everything. We want you to come. We'll make it as easy as possible for you to do that. And in fact, we're also going to make it so that you can do it in Mercer County after you, you show that you can do it in Trenton and throughout the whole darn state. You know, the state is in a welcome, my view, it's my perspective, my perspective on the view, on, on the situation, that we're here waiting for that. Now, you know, we want 100 in Trenton. We want, I don't know, we eventually want 1,000 or more. We probably want, you know, 800,000 New Jersey, maybe a million. Hey, you know, you start producing that many and doing it in other states. And all the technology is, is of course, Moore's Lodge. This isn't an expensive vehicle. It is not. Plus the productivity of that vehicle is, you know, it's gonna be utilized instead of sitting around with what, what she sells to me now sits around 96% of the time. I, who know, I mean, it's like, just sits around. Use maybe 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, maybe an hour. I mean, you look at the distribution, you look at 90 percentile. I mean, you know, vehicles in New Jersey, probably 90 percentile use less than an hour a day. I don't know. I mean, I should generate the chart. Okay. Well, and there so are, and there so, are more and more companies talking about building these uh, quote robo taxis with their autonomous vehicles designed for mobility services. I think there are a lot of people talking. There are a few people doing. Well, Volkswagen. There are only two of them that do. Right. Okay. Volkswagen only... is, is planning to launch what they're calling a special purpose vehicle for robo taxis and deliveries. They're calling it the VWSPV. This is according to Tesla Rotti. Uh, and they're hinting that they may not have a steering wheel in there. Well, yeah, no, I, hey, I, a lot of gunners out there. There have been a lot of gunners, you know, for a lot of years, okay? Right now, there are only two. There's Waymo now in, you know, in, in Chandler and in San Francisco, and there's GM Cruise in San Francisco. They're the only two, okay? They're the only two that do it. Now, they're doing vehicles with steering wheels and so on, but there's nobody on, you know, behind the steering wheel. And the steering wheel, I mean, somebody should take a chainsaw to it and chop it off. It's you sometime, <laughs> you know? And if NHTSA is not happy with that, then NHTSA should change, okay? Because they're, they're behind the eight ball and they should, they should you know, get real. And, you know, those things operate within an operational design domain, which the folks that have built those things and put them out there are confident that they are safe. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it because they're the ones that are responsible should anything happen. They're the ones that are going to pick up the tab. Waymo and GM Cruise are going to pick up the tab if there's a crash. And if that crash happens to be the fault of somebody else for which they'll have plenty of data to be able to, to determine that, then they'll go claw it back from those folks. And, and they will, okay, seriously, because they wanna make sure that what's out there and what's out there in the public record is in fact, they were safe. And they would not be doing this if they didn't, if, if, if their, their engineers and their people that worked uh, 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 did it without lying, cheating and stealing, and, and, and they were confident that they could do that because, because 
by by doing that in San Francisco, you know, Mary, she's betting part of the ranch on that. that that's those things start crashing out there, and it is the fault of Cruz. Cruz won't exist. Right. Okay, as we saw with when when um, uh, um, Uber tried to go out there and get a little bit ahead of itself and. And, you know, it was their problem that they killed one person, Elaine Herzberg. Guess what? They aren't in that business anymore. Okay. And as you've pointed out uh, before, the value of the company isn't nearly. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, people were talking 120 and they went out at 60, you know, so there's, that's a difference of, let's see, Fred, uh, you know, Ivy League math, 60 <laughs> billion. Okay, here we go. I mean, you know. That's 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 a pretty expensive faux pas. Yeah. From TechCrunch, a, a story: Aurora Innovation is launching its third autonomous freight pilot in Texas. They're using Aurora driver-powered trucks for Werner Enterprises this time, big trucking firm between El Paso and Fort Worth. They'd already been testing with Uber Freight and and FedEx, so they're they're. Trying they're, to grow they're, this. They're trying to grow this. And again, they're growing it appropriately. They're running those things with attendance on board as they should, because they are tests. Okay. As they should. And, 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 um, um, and great. They can make, do the data and see how many disengagements occur in those things. And at some point, they'll have enough confidence in that, the fact that there are no disengagements, and then maybe somebody's going to allow them, or they're going to then say, my goodness, um, uh, we're betting the ranch that they don't crash, and put them out there without attendance. And, uh, and as long as they keep them where, in fact, they... Uh, They've decided for themselves that these things are safe enough. Um, fantastic, okay? But, but my goodness, uh, we're still somewhat early on this and, uh, and nobody's out there without a person on board, okay? Or at least they're, they're, they're they doing better it responsibly, not be, right? Huh? They're it doing it responsibly. Be, they sure. have to be responsibly. Okay, because in the end, the reason you pull the driver is so that you can more efficiently do this. And that efficiency is, is a valued product, either in environmentally, socially, uh, business-wise, and so on. Okay, that's why you pull the driver. It's not because you don't want the driver. It's because you can, you can do more. You can deliver more freight. You can do more. Okay. But, but you, it has to be done safely. And by safely, it means that, uh, you know, not that it should never crash, but the probability of crashing has to be ooh, pretty damn small number, 10 to the minus whatever. Well, Qualcomm, Alan, has completed its acquisition of Veoneer's advanced driver assistance software business, Arriver, that just uh, happened this week. It will compete, of course, with with Mobileye and others in this business. And I guess the competition can be healthy. The competition is healthy, and you know, and and the and 
and welcome. I mean, Qualcomm's a fantastic entity and, and uh, certainly innovative over the years and, uh, and so on. And yes, I mean, <laughs> they should be in there. It, it takes some amount of co uh, communications to do that, which they're so somewhat in the communications business. It certainly takes computations uh, for which they certainly are within the, 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 the computations business and um, and uh, do well. They've sell certainly chips been dominant and, in the, in the mobile chips and sure. and the mobile chips and so on and yeah, absolutely. So you know you you have you have you have uh, more than a few folks out there that, that again the, the the scale opportunity for all this technology to be not only in the cars that we buy, but, but in the cars that provide, uh, provide uh, mobility uh, uh, for others. I mean, you know, this, this is a big business. That's why there's been 200 billion or whatever the number is since DARPA to be invested in this. And we'd love to see them come to, uh, to Trenton in June. And uh, on that subject, uh, that's scheduled for the first, uh, first, first week of June. Yep. And uh, give us a little more info. Alan. Well, yeah, you know, we'll start June 2nd, Thursday evening at, at my house for, for, you know, meet and greet and so on. And then uh, Friday we'll be at Princeton to, to basically discuss what we're discussing here, the advancement and so on, the learning from others and the, the advancement that others have made in various sectors of this, um, uh, both in the terms of people movement and the movement of goods. Uh, somewhat focused on 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 yes yeah, some research but really focused on deployment focused on making actually putting this this out on the street so it actually delivers some some economic and, and social value out there and and where best to do that but but here in New Jersey and and at least for our point of view I'm, from you know, all the things that I've done in my classes and looking at data and looking at, 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 these, at mobility, you know, New Jersey is a microcosm of the United States. You know, we have, we have very dense areas, not as dense as Manhattan. There's only one Manhattan. Uh, we, have, uh, we have very, very uh, rural areas. And, and uh, you know, maybe not as quite as rural as, as uh, Nevada, but, you know, Pine Barrens are, you know. So, in fact, we, we are... You know, we were really a microcosm of the U.S., and so you know, it's you know, Frank Frank Sinatra may have wanted to do it in in, in New York. Um, uh, this stuff, you know, do it in New Jersey. You can do it anywhere. Well, he was and from yeah, here. So. Yeah, he was from here. Yeah, so so he, he he deserves a little credit. So whatever, but but yeah, and and we're gonna do that here on Friday and and go over and all that. We'll have a little banquet Friday night. I think. Um, I think I just got Adam Jonas from from uh, Morgan Stanley to basically give us a, an investment view of all this stuff as a as the keynote on the banquet speaker on 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 Friday. I I, I think he said yes today. Um, Adam, if you didn't say yes, uh, you did now. I'll take it back. <laughs> I'll take it back. But I think I think you said yes. Um, no, Adam's a good friend and and. Um, and then Saturday to do it in Trenton, where at least the you know the at least uh, that's where we'd like to start in New Jersey. We'd like to start with the people who who could who could benefit 
we think the most from this and to start where they live as a, and a mobility festival um, at Donley Homes, which is a part of, of the Trenton Public Housing um, Authority. And everybody there wants us to do it. We're gonna have a festival. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have, it's gonna be a festival. People are gonna be happy and, and it's a mobility festival for, for you know, uh, the opportunity that those that, that are developing this technology to really educate us here in New Jersey and for them to sort of understand and become educated as to what might be of interest in, in mobility from from a potential customer here in New Jersey. So it's it's a win-win for both um, to um, to get together and 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 do it in a in a festival environment. Why not? Um, and um, and so that's that's what we're going to do on Saturday. And we're doing it on Saturday so that. So that we have the opportunity to have the, the, some of the people in New Jersey that are that are really the the, the end customers, the end value proposition of, of all this, to um, to have the opportunity to, um, to in a nice environment just um, begin to learn about this. Well, here in New Jersey, very few people know about this. Uh, you know, we're not we're not Chandler, Arizona, where we see cars all the time, or even Austin, Texas, or or Miami, Florida, where where they've been, or even Pittsburgh, where which has been so fortunate to at least um, have um, much of the technology developed there and 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 tested there in New Jersey. I mean, you know, been like four four cars. I mean. <laughs> We know nothing here, so we're we're dying to become educated by by the rest of the world, and uh, the venue is uh, is the summit. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure a lot of people are. And the SmartDrivingCar.com has more info. That's where you can find us. And we want to take time here to thank Henry Posner for spending time with us. Really terrific having him here. Thank you also to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more info is available at MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 corporation. As we said, you can find us at SmartDrivingCar.com, on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever you get podcasts. You can get smart speakers to play us too. And you can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Please continue to stay safe.